Hello there, listener, Ryan here. Thank you for choosing to listen to this Second Tier Meets with Sam Morsey. Uh, just a quick one to say that we recorded this episode earlier this week, just before the news that Wigan had been, thankfully, taken over. Um, so we do ask Sam about that, of course, him being a former Wigan player, but he is he is reacting to it before that news comes out. So that will explain why he's talking about it as if it's still going on. Uh, but either way, hope you enjoyed the episode. Hello, I'm Brian Dilks, and welcome to the number one championship podcast, The Second Tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are on the show today. We're joined by a man who's gone from playing in League Two to playing at a World Cup. 146 championship appearances. He suffered relegations, but has most recently captained a team to promotion back to the second tier. It's former Wigan, Middlesbrough, and now Ipswich midfielder, Sam Morsey. Sam, thank you for joining us. How are we doing? No worries, pal. Yeah, all good. Thank you, mate. Just um, enjoying the break. Not long till we're back, but had a good few weeks off. And now, yeah, ready to rock and roll. Yeah, and the listeners won't have heard that you uh, just had to interrupt us for a bit because you spilt something down your shirt. I thought I'd just expose you beforehand. But, I appreciate uh, you know, that, thank you. I yeah, you know, it's not, it's not all luxury being a footballer, <laughs> is it? Sometimes uh, these things happen, yeah, don't they? Uh, well, let's have a look back at your career, shall we? So your career began at Wolves, where you spent nine years before being released at the age of 16. What was it like, first of all, for you getting that news um, I think at the time it's it's devastating because all your friends are there. It's the club you've supported. Um, you know, a lot of your friends have got scholarships, and you obviously have ambitions to play for your hometown club. Uh, but I think at, at the time, um, I probably didn't deserve one. In all honesty, in that season, started to get distracted with certain things. So it, it was um, it was a right call to be honest. I think. Like I can still remember the meeting like it was yesterday, really. I mean, if they'd have give it, given me one, it would have been out of um, sympathy almost, really, or because I've, I've always done well in the age groups. But that particular season, I think they could see that I needed to experience something else and live away from home and have the test, really, of you know living away from home and seeing if you can forge a career for yourself. What kind of things were you getting distracted by? So, all sorts, really, just going out... Um, late nights, late nights before games, going out before games, things like this. And, you know, at an early age, really, at like 14, 15, 16, I had a brother who was three years older than me. He looked just like me, so I used his ID. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so, yeah, just had no real focus, um, no real interest. It, it was it was one of those, really. I thought to myself, oh, I might just nick one and then next season I'll begin to focus, but it doesn't really work like that, so... Yeah, I just didn't have the right appetite. And to be fair to them, on a number of occasions, they spoke to me. Um, the academy director um, spoke to me to try and help me to get my act together. But it wasn't going to be. I was going to have to experience that pain in order to realise, actually, if I do want to be a professional, I'm going to have to change a lot of things. Mm. And you moved ever so slightly up north to Stoke to play for Port Vale after mm -hmm. leaving Wolves. That's all you link up with. 
Mickey Adams, who was a bit of a character. Uh, did you enjoy working with him? Yeah, definitely. I think it, it's one of those, really. You look back in your career as you get older and you appreciate sort of what people did for you. Um, now, Mickey was a taskmaster. He was a disciplinarian. He loved the running. He, um, he had a style of football, four four two, fast, get the ball wide, put it in a box. Um, I learned a lot of him, to be fair. I did really learn a lot of him. Um, obviously, the season we got promoted, um, I played first half of the season the second half of the season I got sent off and then from there the relationship didn't really recover I think Mickey probably got a lot of stick to be honest he got a lot of stick um, because we sort of had a falling out but I can you know as you get older you can see from his perspective really I was a ticking time bomb if I'm honest and um, you know managers want reliability they want to yeah. know what we're getting and probably at the time he probably thought he didn't know what he was getting but some of the biggest lessons I've learned was from him. So, yeah, I've um, I seen him a few years ago and it was great to see him. And he congratulated me sort of on on what I've done so far. And, and yeah, again, I've, you know, I learned a lot from him, to be honest. What was that fallout that he had? Because he's quite a straight-talking manager, isn't he? Yeah, it was. Um, so, he was 2 nil up. I got sent off in a game. And we ended up drawing 2-2. Um, what didn't help was the midfielder who come on for me come off two minutes later by doing his hamstring. So we was down to 10 men and we ended up drawing 2-2 and he went absolutely crazy. And then the next day, um, and in the game, I had a dead leg as well. So the next game, the next day, sorry, he made me play this reserve game and um, I had a dead leg. I couldn't move. Like, I could only walk. <laughs> and the reserve team manager said, look, Sam, it's a test. You've got to get through it. And I was like, I can't run, though. I literally couldn't run. So I remember in the game, um, I think we played Macclesfield, and uh, there was a lad who booted one of our young lads. So as he's run past me, I've just upended him. And uh, there was a big sort of commotion, and the ref sort of said to Pagey, he said, look, if you don't bring him off now, I'm sending him off. So as you can imagine, the report didn't go down well with Mickey. Um so Mickey the next day said, look, I did this as a punishment and you've done this again. So then from then, the relationship never fully recovered. Um, he brought in plays in January. Then I played a bit part, to be honest. Um, but I, again, really, my responsibility, you know, when you're going for a promotion, you can't have the unpredictability which I was bringing. Hmm. And you left Port Vale to go to Chesterfield, which is the first time you worked with Paul Cooks. And you worked with him a few times, actually, didn't you? So I assume the fact that you've worked with him so many times, you quite like him as a manager. Yeah, um, in that spell, he, he was brilliant, really. So we've gone to Chesterfield. Um, it was an incredible time. I think the two seasons I was there, it was amazing. Well, I was there two and a half years, but the two seasons, the atmosphere was great. The town really bought into it. We played some great football. We had a really good team, a great style of play. Got on really well with the manager and the staff and... It was a really enjoyable, enjoyable time every um, Saturday afternoon, especially the home games. It was rocking and it, it was a great time. I really enjoyed my football there. I've got to ask, because when people think of Paul Cook, they often think of his voice changing halfway yeah. through interviews. Yeah. And the yeah. man could be talking and then his voice would be completely different in the next sentence. Did that happen during team talks and during serious conversations? I, I just think he's very—he's a very passionate man, isn't he? He's a very passionate man, and I, 
some Titans, he just gets excited. Um, I'm not sure whether he does it on purpose. You'll have to ask him. But no, he was a really good manager, a really good man motivator. Um, had an infectious personality. And yeah, he, he's been very successful in his managerial career. Yeah, and he, that Chesterfield team was really good, wasn't it? With Paul Cook in charge. And you went all the way to finishing in the League One playoffs, if my memory serves me correctly. But then Paul Cook left... And Dean Saunders took over, who wasn't quite as successful. He was sat three months into the yeah. season after Paul Cook left. What did you make of him? Yeah, I think firstly, yeah, we, we had great success there. And, uh, many of the players went on to play higher, um, even a couple of them Premier League. So that was amazing, really, to be a part of. Um, I really liked Dean Saunders, to be honest. Really liked him, really liked him as a bloke. Um, really funny guy, charismatic guy. Um, it was just unfortunate at the time when he came in, everyone was moving or on the verge of moving. So we all left. I left that January. A couple of the lads left in the summer. Um, so it was hard for him, really, because he didn't get the opportunity of a really good team because everyone was moving and everything was different. Uh, but in terms of working with him, uh, himself, Brian Carey, Mal Purchase, you know, it was really good. It was enjoyable to work under. And yeah, I enjoyed him, to be fair. He's a really good guy. We moved to Wigan in January 2016 uh, in League One at the time under Gary Caldwell. Um, went on to win the league. You played just about every game after yeah. you joined them. And Caldwell did a good job there, didn't he? But it all went quite wrong in the championship for him, didn't it? Yeah, he did. He, he did do a good job, actually. Um, again, like, good uh, tactician. I think his biggest strengths was knowledge of the game, his tactics have become... We had a really strong team, and I think when we got promoted, there was an expectation to do something. Um, but to be honest, that season, it was just never right. It was never right from pre-season. Well, I didn't feel it was right from pre-season. And then, obviously, I went out on loan in a, for six months at Barnsley, where I loved my time there, to be fair. Uh, but you could see things weren't right, and in the end, he struggled. What kind of things weren't right? Just sometimes in pre-season, you just get a feeling. There was just talks about players coming, players going. Um, there was big decisions made. Um, one of them to let Jason Pierce go, which was a disastrous uh, decision in my opinion. Because at the time, he was a really good player, really good leader. Um, and then obviously myself, I, I was going and brought in players which didn't really improve the team. You know, honestly, I think the League One team is better than the Championship team. Um so he, he had his struggles. He had his struggles, to be fair. And, um, yeah, I could, when I left, really, I, I could tell it was going to be a tough season for him. Yeah, we'll talk more about Wigan and you spell at Barnsley in a sec. But just after, months after winning promotion, you were also called up to the Egypt squad for the first time. You were born in Wolverhampton, but qualified for them through your dad. How did that come about? Um, I think there was tracking me for a while. Uh, there was a, a journalist called Wasim Ahmed who he tends to speak a lot about the players abroad um, and he promotes them and try to get their clips to the national team staff. So he really promoted me for a long time. And then, yeah, I just got the uh, got the call from the assistant manager saying the manager at the time, Hector Cooper, he likes you, he'd like to invite you for a camp. So I met him in London. Um, he showed me the style of play, the way they want to play, different things. And yeah, aside from there, really, where um, yeah, playing Hector Cooper was a really enjoyable experience. 
Yeah, you played at the World Cup in Russia as well, didn't you? That must have been pretty amazing. Yeah, that was brilliant. That was brilliant. I think as well it was, it come down to the wild really. So we had a camp before the World Cup and it was between me and another player who was going to the World Cup. And my last game was against Colombia, which again, the World Cup hinged on this performance, if you like. So no pressure. Um, so I ended up playing really well and got the opportunity to go to the World Cup. Do you enjoy playing for Egypt? Yeah, loved it. Yeah, loved it. Loved it. Um, really want to get back there, in all honesty. Really want to get back there. I feel like I've still got something to offer. Um, I'm hopeful of the next August camps I can get the call up. Hopefully, if we're doing well, if Ipswich are doing well and I'm playing well personally, it's obviously they've had many managers since, uh, since I was there, but hopefully I can get an opportunity at a camp and show what I can do. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I was a bit surprised to see that you haven't played for them since 2018. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Uh, why is that? Um, I think initially, under Javier Aguirre, I pulled out of a camp through injury. Um, but it's never a good thing to pull out of a camp. Um, and then from then, I haven't been caught up again, really. Not to say that that's the only reason, but they've had different managers. Um, you have to remember, in Egypt, it is political in terms of media will push local players, which is, you know, it's just the nature of the beast, really. Um, but again, for me, all I'd, all I'd like is an opportunity to go to a camp and see what you can do and see where you're at. And if they like you, great. If they don't, then it's no problem. So that's what I'm waiting for. And it certainly kept me really hungry and something that I'm really working towards. Yeah, can't talk about Egypt without mentioning one player. Mo Salah, quite a handy player. Not bad to have in your team. No, he's a phenomenal player, phenomenal player. I think what he's done these last five, six years at Liverpool, I think the only time people really start to give him the recognition is when he leaves because his numbers and the title and the Champions League, he's just been absolutely phenomenal. You know, He's a great player, great person, great to have around. And yeah, his dedication is absolutely inspiring and he's not where he is for no good reason. Yeah, let's get back to Wigan then. You got promoted to the Championship in 2016, but then you were sent on loan to Barnsley. What happened there? Yeah, so it was basically um, towards the end of the window. Um, I kept seeing like, my name linked with clubs. A bit like, oh, OK, that's a bit weird. Considering I only signed six months ago. Um, but the club assured us it was nothing. I was like, OK, yeah, no problem. And then uh, I just remember finishing a training session and seeing a text from my agent saying, oh, They've accepted a bid, ring me. And then at the same time, the manager said he wanted to speak to me. So basically he said he's brought in, um, he's brought, he's going to bring in another midfielder. It's going to be tough for me to get game time. He thinks it'd be a good opportunity for me to leave, basically. He was trying to sell me. Um, but then Barnes, he come up under Paul Hecking, but I mean, he was really keen. So I thought, yeah, let me go for that. And like I said, it was a really enjoyable six months at Barnsley. Really enjoyable. I enjoyed it more than I could ever imagine, really. That, that seems a bit strange, though, trying to sell you after only six months at Wigan. Yeah, yeah. I, I think what happens a lot of the time is to get players in, you have to get players out. And um, at the time, he had a couple of midfielders who he, he thought was his guys really and who we thought would do well for him. Um, so I was like the odd man out really in terms of he was probably told, look, if he gets rid of me and gets that money, then he gets someone else, which look, I understand it's the nature of the beast really. Um, but I was, was a bit surprised, but I wasn't 
that um, disappointed to going on, honestly. Because like I said, I just wasn't... You could see things, really, which wasn't conducive of a good team. So when the opportunity came up Barnsley, I jumped at it. Yeah, I had a really good six months there, to be honest, where I actually think if Barnsley at the time was ran a little bit better and we kept our squad, I think we would have made playoffs that season. Well, let's um, talk about the 2016-17 season when I think you were back at Wigan by that point. You had a run-in with John Joe Shelby. Um do you want to tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, it was just um, obviously uh, those allegations weren't of um, the racial abuse of uh, Remain Size from Wolves. Um, obviously, Remain Size is a you know he's a Muslim brother. He's, he's playing from a hometown, whatever. So um, yeah, he, he was one of those really you know left a little bit on him, and then look. Usually, when things happen on the pitch, to stay in the pitch, you know, I've had plenty were said to me, which, if I would to, to air out, it would be shocking. And look, sometimes things are said on the pitch; it's no big deal. So yeah, I was actually surprised to see him publicising a newspaper, really, um, because usually these things are just resolved on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. Well, for anyone who doesn't know what he says we won't say it on the podcast um, but have, have a search for you it's not too hard to find if you look for someone slapping him around the head um <laughs> we'll leave that there um dan Byrne was playing for for wigan around that time and he's had a pretty impressive rise since then and he I'll be, I'll be honest at the time i never expected him to be playing champions league football five years later uh as a teammate at the time did you think he'd be getting to that level I think it's always very difficult to predict somebody in the championship can be potentially playing the Champions League in that space of time, unless they're really, really young. And obviously Dan wasn't, but what I would say about Dan Byrne was he was the model professional, worked really hard at his game, wanted to win, good talker, good leader. So he did have a lot of attributes to take him far. Um, now, again, if you said, would you expect him to play in the Champions League? I mean, you don't expect many people dear from the Championship to do it. I don't know how many people have done it. Probably not many. Um, but no, he's done amazing and he's a really good player. Um, I probably didn't expect him to be playing left-back, but it works. I know at Brighton he was fought really highly of and he's done the same at Newcastle. So it's incredible, really. And it just gives you know everyone hope um, from what he's done, really, because his story is quite incredible. Yeah, when you see him from the crowd, you don't look at him and think that guy's a left back. Um, but he's done really well, Ante. You can't deny that at all. Uh, yeah, Wigan were relegated that season, but appointed Paul Cook. So you were reunited with him again and absolutely smashed League One, going up as champions. How much did he change things there when he came in? Well, I think he'd, he got promoted with Chesterfield and a player got promoted with Portsmouth. So there was a real sense of him being a winner. Um, he had a style of play which he wanted to play, which he enforced. He'd come in with a real high energy. It was him and Liam Richardson at the time, coming with a lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm. He got the place going again. Yeah, it was, um, I wouldn't say easy season, but it was as straightforward as you're going to get, really, in, in winning a league. We had a really strong team. Blackburn were really strong as well. Should we fell off the pace. Um, but no, we had, a, we had a really strong team. We were strong in every position. We had 
a 25 goal a season striker. We had strength, we had leadership, we had everything really. And um, again, you know, right from the off, we knew we had a chance and yeah, it was a really good season. Yeah, it was around that time that Wigan assembled some team, didn't they? Finished yeah. 18th in the first season back in the Championship. And then next season you got relegated, but that was because of a points deduction, which we will get onto. If it wasn't for that deduction, though, Wigan would have finished 13th. And you had some great players there, didn't you? Of course, Sam Morsey. Kiefer Moore, Anthony Robinson, Jamal Lowe, Cal Naismith. It was just some team, Monte. Yeah, Joe Williams, Nathan Byrne, Kipre, yeah. Dunkley. We had uh, yeah, Joe Garner, Pilks. We had a great team, really. We had a really, really good team. Um, I think the season after, we had a real good chance. I think we just started to really click. Everyone had found the mojo. Big key from top really found his mojo. So it was really exciting, to be honest. It was really exciting for the next season um, in terms of the way we was playing and from the teams who were getting promoted. It was very complimentary of us and what we could do the season after. But unfortunately, we got the um, mystery points deduction. Yeah, well, between the start of February and the end of the season, you only lost two games. I remember Wigan were playing excellently around that time. So what was it like when you found out you were going into administration all of a sudden? Disbelief, really, because um, the night before we played Stoke at home and we won 3-0 and it probably should have been 6-0, where we absolutely battered them. And it was very exciting. It was very exciting for the future, for what we were doing, for where we was at. And then the next day, I remember um, I remember in the group chat, somebody put Wigan in administration. And I thought, oh, that, that can't be true because, you know, we only just recently got new owners. So I just thought nothing of it, to be honest. Then the manager rang me to tell me. And then he said 12 points. And then obviously, again, I was sort of thinking, oh, surely it can't be now. Um, but then, yeah, the next day, we soon realised the owner had the club for a matter of weeks something like that I can't remember the time frame matter of weeks and um, he actually didn't want to put the club into administration he actually wanted to liquidate the club wow yeah he wanted to liquidate the club yeah which was very bizarre which there was no real reason for that to ever happen and the administrator sort of said you know we, we can't do that you don't have to because you're not in debt um, you've got assets you've got whatever but it was very bizarre to be honest it was it was such a strange situation. It was such a mystery because if they'd have waited three months, they would have had the money from staying up. They would have got a really big fee for Anthony Robinson, probably six, seven million more. They would have got a big fee for Joe Gelhart. They would have got a big fee for Kiefer Moore. So if they'd have waited three months, they would have made probably an extra 15 or 20 million. Mm. So there was just no valid reason to why that happened. Then there was all sorts of rumours um, and then you dive into it and you don't even know if uh, Stanley Choi was a real person. Um, his proof of ID was a loan from a friend in a bank account in the Cayman Islands. So it was all just very hard to get your head around, to be honest, and it cost the team massively, the club massively. People weren't getting paid, people were losing jobs. So it was really, really sad to right events for Wigan Athletic after being on the cusp of something really special. What were the what were you saying to your teammates at the time? Because you've done all this hard work to keep the club 
well, get them into a mid-table position, and then this happens. You must have been just flabbergasted. Yeah, it was tough. It was tough, but um, the lads were absolutely amazing. The lads were really good. They really wanted to push. They wanted to keep fighting. Um, we'd get more information all the time, and it was just a bizarre situation. Nobody, we'd ask the questions, but it was hard for administrators to give us the answers, really, because it was just such bizarre circumstances in why the owner did what he did. It just made no sense, and then there was all sorts of rumours from losing the club on a cards game to whatever. The truth is, we'll never know. But hopefully one day we might find out. But, yeah, we might never know. Um, which, again, was frustrating because everyone worked so hard. The staff, the players, the fans were absolutely buzzing for the future of the club. And then, all of a sudden, one person, why he bought the club, don't know. Why he then put us into admin, we don't know. And uh, destroy all of that, really, in that one move. Yeah, you did leave Wigan that summer to go to Middlesbrough. But in an alternative universe where Wigan didn't go into administration for some bizarre reason, would you have stayed there, do you think? Yeah, definitely, definitely, because I enjoyed it so much. Um, I enjoyed the club. We was on the cusp of something really special. Um, and it's a shame, really, that we probably all got robbed of the opportunity and even speaking to lads now from the team. They all think the next season we would have went really close, so he was really disappointed. And yeah, it was horrible, to be honest. It really was horrible. What do you think of what's going on at Wigan now? Because from the outside, it looks like it's an even bigger shambles now than it was when you were there. And that's that's saying something. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely shambolic, to be honest. Unacceptable what's happening. Um, don't know why it's happening. Again, uh, the fans thought they had the club back. They got promoted. I know there was promised transfer fees or wages and they signed one player in a free transfer, which you're asking for big, big trouble. Um, so again, it's just, there's no clarity again from the ownership in what's actually going on. Nobody knows what's going on. I hear they're up for sale again now. Um, so yeah, they, they just need a good steady owner really, which... They can't seem to find, but what I would say is it can happen to anybody, can't it? It can happen to any club. What's happened to Wigan is just unfortunately, um, it's happened to Wigan twice now, which mm, is sad. And it, for the fans, most importantly, for the fans, yeah. you've got to feel the pain and people lose their jobs, good people lose their jobs and the livelihoods and the income gets affected. And then the players as well, it would have been really tough for the players this season. And actually, if the probably didn't get the points deduction, because every time you get this points deduction, you lose a lot of momentum. It's a big, big kick in the teeth. So if they didn't get the points deduction, they would have had a great chance of staying off. Um, but again, the the decisions made and they had Liam Richard and manager, they didn't back him one piece. So yeah, yeah, you do hear some shocking things, but hopefully some clarity can come out and before long they can have decent owners and yeah, get back to be real in the club. Went to Middlesbrough in 2020. Why did you choose them and did you have any other offers on the table at the time? Yeah, I probably had five or six offers at the time, to be fair. Um, I think the Middlesbrough one was the the history of the club. Obviously, it's a huge club. It's an incredible club. And 
and also Neil Warnock, um, the love Neil Warnock in terms of he knows how to get a team promoted. So I just fancied that really, just to see what we could do. And I was there for a year, but no, I really enjoyed it. To be fair, yeah. How was a uh, old Neil Warnock? Was he? Were you a fan of his? Yeah, I really liked him. I really liked him. He liked to keep the game as simple as possible. Um, he probably played a little bit more football than he gets credit for. Um, he was a very good delegator, very good manager. Um, it was a it was a really professional setup because you hear some rumours about whatever, but it was a professional setup. And I think he did really well. Again, I think we finished tenth, ninth or tenth. But the last few months of the season, there was like a good four or five of us from the eleven who were injured, um, which again made it difficult. But then the second season, the writing was on the wall from early doors. Um, I think the owner leaves it to, for Bowser to run the club, um, and then so there was all sorts of rumours about when he's going to get sacked. So every, everyone knew at some point he was going to get sacked, really, which was a little bit unprofessional in my opinion. Um, and again, there wasn't really backing him, which I couldn't understand really. You've got a manager who knows about promotion, he knows about how to get there if you give him what he wants. So it didn't really back him, and then unfortunately he got sacked. Yeah, I always ask this story when, well, I always ask this question when we have someone who's played under Neil Warnock. Because he's such a character, do you have like yeah. a, a story from your time there that you remember? That you remember? I don't know about one particular story, but he was just very, he was very sharp. He, he didn't miss a thing. He was very, very charismatic. Um, he was good. I, I enjoyed working with him, to be honest. I enjoyed working with him and then I could see why He's done well with teams, and I can see why he. Um, I can see why he's done well. I, I think many people fancied Middlesbrough to have a good chance of getting in the playoffs that season that you were there, but they only finished tenth. Where do you think things could have been better? Do you think it was as you mentioned him just not getting backed enough? I think injuries. To be honest, I think that season. I think um, towards towards the back end of the season. I remember I was injured, uh, Dick Steele was injured, Dale Fry was injured, and Tab was injured. All sort of plays in his 11. We just had injuries at the wrong time, to be honest. You know, if one player at your 11 gets injured, it's it's another thing. But when four or five are out, I think that really, um, that affected us, really. Because, again, we had a good team and we probably could have done a bit better. But, yeah. I've got to ask you about one of your teammates at the time, Chubarak Pom. He joined Middlesbrough around the same time as you, actually. And I've watched plenty of him between then and the start of last season. I never expected him to have a season as good as the one he's just had. Did you? Again, I think no one could imagine um, the goals. I mean, what I could say was straight away, you can see in training, he had real, real quality. Real quality. Back to goal, he's jinky, right foot, left foot. He looked really good. Um, and I was straight away when I saw him, I was thinking, OK, like, what, what can he do? Um but I remember the the first time Warnock signed him, his first day, he's got us all in a huddle. And I think he said, oh, yeah, I'll tuba. Yeah, you, you was my third choice signing. He's like, I've tried to get Keeper Moore, I've tried to get Collins, and I've ended up with you. And he's went, <laughs> you're a bit smaller than I thought you was as well. So I think Chuba was just a bit like, what's going on here? Um, but no, I, I think... I've seen Tubes basically say, like, Michael Carrick's unlocked something in him. And I think sometimes it takes that because real quality, real good guy. And I think always the test of someone is when it's not going well for you. 
and the club treated him in a certain way, trying to get rid of him, make him train on his own, etc. But even in my time, and then to my knowledge, he's behaved in an immaculate way, kept his head down, kept working, never sought, always trained hard. Um, and then he's got his reward, so it's it's a massive testament to him, really, for his levels of professionalism and how hard he's had to work to do it. And then, obviously, last season, like you said, he just kept scoring, just every week, just a full, you know, different goals, right foot, left foot, headers, long range, short range, everything. And it was a phenomenal season for him. Yeah, I don't think anyone expected him to have as good a season as he has done. Did they? Uh, well, you left Middlesbrough after one year to join Ipswich in League One. Now, I remember being very surprised about this move at the time because you were playing regular football for a top half championship side and then went to League One. So why why did that happen? Um, well, Ipswich were there all along, really, because obviously Cookie was there and new project. Uh, but to, I had no intention of going, to be honest with you, no intention of going. And then again, it was just the last couple of days of the window, really. I started to hear a few murmurs. Um, I think it was from chief executive level because the manager told me he didn't want me to go. But again, uh, apparently someone at the club was desperate for me to go um, so they could sign James Lasilki, Saliki, sorry, um, Cameroon International. He was rated highly. So again, still had no intention to go, but then... Um, you know, I felt quite disrespected from the club, to be honest. And um, it's an incredible club, amazing fan base. But, yeah, people in power, um, yeah, they wanted me to go for some reason. And then towards the end of the window, obviously, I, I knew Cookie, I knew the project, I knew how much money they wanted to spend. And, um, yeah, a couple of things went on, really. A couple of things went on, and in the end, I just had enough of it. Um, I said, right, let me sign for Ipswich and try and get promoted in the first year. Obviously, it took us two years to do it. Um, but it was one of those. It was probably an impulsive decision for me as well. But I'd probably, yeah, you know, I probably could have stuck around, but there was a lot of things going on, and the manager was under a lot of pressure as well, but certain things like that. And obviously, the last time I worked under Cookie was at Wigan, so I really enjoyed working with him. And so, yeah, decided to, to make the move. Fair enough. Well, let's talk about Ipswich, where you currently are now. It wasn't a good start, was it? Because yeah. Ipswich were the big favourites to go up, but finished 11th. The main reason for that was a poor start to the season, yeah. only winning seven from the first 23 games. Yeah. Led to Paul Cook losing his job. So what happened there? Why why did this poor start happen? Um I think when you bring so many players in, we're at 19 players in that summer. 19 players, everyone's gelling. Um, I didn't come till game nine. So, already you'd um, just unfortunately lost games or missed penalties to win games or not particularly getting the rubber of the green and, and all these different things. And then all of a sudden you're on a bad run and then just couldn't quite recover. But I think the biggest thing is how many players really it, it takes time it takes time to gel whether people like it or not um, it, it took time to gel and we, we couldn't quite find the rhythm we had times where it looked like it's clicking but yeah we just couldn't get the rhythm really and um, it was sad to see Cookie go yeah well in a way and I mean this with no disrespect to Paul Cook that poor start may have been a bit of a blessing in disguise because 
led to Kieran McKenna being appointed. So what changed when he came in? Yeah, obviously um, he's come in and he's a phenomenal manager. I think uh, the, the first thing he wanted really was um, us to play like a big team. And he started to make the subtle changes in training, in how we get to games, in preparation. And he's obviously got a vast amount of experience at Tottenham and at Man United. And he's someone who's really earned his stripes. He's done a lot of coaching. I think when you're under coaches who have been in academies, they have a way of delivering messages because they're dealing with kids. They have to have real clarity in what they're saying. So I think that's definitely helped his coaching career. And yeah, he's come in and he's been brilliant. I think he's improved every player. Uh, I feel like I've improved massively under him. Um, and yeah, so far it's been it's been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I've spoken to a few Ipswich fans who reckon he'll be a Premier League manager at some point. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I don't, I don't see any weaknesses in him. And um, again, probably the best bit about him was when things wasn't quite going well. How he handled those situations. Because, you know, in any season, whether you win the league or whatever, like take Man City, arguably one of the best seasons in history. At the start of the season, there was big question marks over him. So it's always about how you handle adversity. And he's a very clever, articulate man. Well, of course, Ipswich celebrated promotion back to the championship this season. Congratulations on that. He had the best points tally ever at League One level for, for a side who finished second. And only five teams have ever won more points in a League One season. Of course, you captained the team, played the most minutes out of all the outfield players. What's been different this season compared to the last one? I think um, the players have fully gelled together. We've obviously added quality within the group as well. And then again, um, the manager works in a very meticulous manner and the more time we spend each other, the, the better we've gotten. His big ethos and the staff ethos is improving the players. So I think a lot of individuals have improved as well. And yeah, sometimes when it comes together, um, when you have players really playing for each other and playing for the club and really enjoying it, then good things can happen. Ipswich did have a period around the new year, didn't you, where you were struggling. Apart from that, you won the vast majority of games. Why was there that little slump around the new year? Um, it's hard to quite put your finger on it really it was just we were still playing really well we're just struggling to score goals and when you struggle to score goals and you don't win games all of a sudden everything else is highlighted and heightened especially when the expectation was so high and within that period as well it didn't help that the teams around us were just absolutely relentless so we found ourselves actually thinking okay if we don't you know, book our ideas up we're going to be out of the playoffs soon it was that tight because mm. we had Plymouth and Chef Wednesday who were absolutely flying. Derby behind us were flying. Barnsley were flying. Wickham were flying. Bolton were flying. But then obviously when we just got back into gear and got the confidence back and then we just went on the incredible run and yeah, managed to get the top two. Yeah, well, I was told that Bristol Rovers away was the turning point. And I'm also told you were arguing with supporters after the game, weren't you? What what kind of changed at that period and what was said? Um, I think it was, you know, as usual, the fans paid good money to watch the team. Um, it was, like I said, everything on social media is heightened now. It was one fan who was giving me a money gesture 
it was a bald guy in the crowd and um, he was doing the money gesture, you know, to players before me and to me. So I asked him what he meant by this gesture because the effort was certainly there, the endeavour was there, but he just wasn't winning games. And the next thing, you know, the kit man is trying his best to restrain me. Not that I was jumping in the crowd, but um, but then, yeah, and then it's on social media and then all of a sudden it's having a fight with the crowd or arguing with the crowd, which it wasn't like that at all. Um, mm. It's probably my mistake for even getting so close and not understanding the fans' frustration. But yeah, all it was was this, you know, this money signal, which I didn't really like. Um, but yeah, from then we went on a great run. Whether it was because of that, I don't know. Um, but yeah, we went on a great run. We had a few games where you'd expect us to win. But then from then, we uh, we beat Barnsley comfortably away, Derby comfortably away, Peterborough comfortably away, Bolton comfortably away. So we had this away record where we were just really annihilating teams, really, and we just hit some real top form. Yeah, and you just smashed the league from that point, didn't you? And got promoted. How was it the night you secured promotion? Was there a few sore heads the day after? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. It, it was brilliant. It just meant so much to the people as well to the fans, and they deserve it because for the last couple of years, they felt as if they didn't have the club, and now they fully feel they have their club back, and it was special to be a part of that. What's the aim for Ipswich next season then in the Championship? Because I mean, I've been doing this podcast for this is going to be our five season, fifth season next season. I don't recall there being a team coming up from League One where the expectations are so high. But from yeah. your perspective, what kind of area are you kind of looking at? I think it's really hard to say because I think you have to aim as high as you can um, without putting any sort of pressure or unrealistic expectation on ourselves. Um, I think recruitment's very big. We've got a strong squad, but when you go up a level, recruitment's really big. That's important. How the new players gel, how they respond to the team. I think what we will be is, um, and what I can say we will be, we'll be very fit, we'll be very organised, we'll be a group who sticks together. The manager will be meticulous in his approach. In the good times, in the bad times, he'll keep level-headed. And we're going to be a real team. Now, where that finishes in the, in the division, nobody knows and nobody will know until May next year. But what I will say is we will be a strong team and a, and a group of uh, a group of men who are together and, you know, let's see how far that can take us. Yeah, there has been talk of you getting promoted again. Are you considering that at all or are you just kind of staying feet on the ground at the moment? I, I think um, at this stage in the season, I think it doesn't, it just doesn't serve anybody to think about anything, to be honest. I think you have these just miniature goals and the miniature goals will be how good can our pre-season be um, using pre-season as a time not just a run but as a time to get better as a time to improve and again that's a big thing the manager always challenges everyone to improve so I see pre-season as a time where we can improve where players can come in and players can add to the group and again it's just getting ourselves in the best possible mind frame for a 46 game season which is a marathon really so it's these little things, but again, recruitment is going to be big. How players gel is going to be big. There's so many different factors which are going to contribute to your final position. But I think for us, it will just be getting back in the building, getting back together and just building that strong team cohesion again. Looking forward to playing in an East Anglian derby? Yeah, can't wait. Yeah, I think that was uh, the one when I signed for the club, really. That's the one the fans want. 
that haven't had it in a couple of years and yeah, I can't wait to be a part of that. Yeah, I've been to a few myself and I can't remember the last time Ipswich actually won one. It was a long time, wasn't it? But yeah, that'll be a interesting moment when it comes to that game. Can't wait for that, yeah. Can't wait for it. Do you reckon... Uh, I mean, you're quite a feisty player anyway, aren't you, Sam? Do you reckon that'll be yeah. Sam Moore's he turned up to 100% on that occasion? <laughs> yeah, it's... Um... It's a game which I really enjoy for sure. I really enjoy it. And we, we have to enjoy it really. We've worked hard to get ourselves this position. And again, that the fans have been incredible. Um, the numbers have been amazing, home and away. And yeah, we want to, uh, you know, we, we know the fans, the expectation levels, his effort and endeavour and energy. And we want to give them something to celebrate next season as well. You know, in, in terms of performances and big home wins and big away games. And we want to feel all of that. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that, I've got to say. Uh, yeah. Sam? Thank you for your time. I think we'll just finish off with uh, something that we often do when we do these kind of uh, meets. And it's your it's your standard questions, really. First of all, who do you think is the best player that you've played alongside? Um, Obviously, international international level, Mohamed Salah, club level, um, Reece James. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, tell, tell us. I mean, when he was with you, he was a young lad, once he, but what could you see then that he was an absolute baller? Yeah, he had incredible qualities, crossing delivery, no bat lift was amazing. Um, he had every physical attribute, and it, but it was probably his mentality, really. He was very calm. He played like a senior player from, from a baby, really. He was very calm. He was never flustered, and he was a great lad as well, so I've been delighted to see how he's got on. Yeah, a top, top player, isn't he? Top Proper player. top player. Top, and top finally, player. best player you've played against? Um, probably Kevin De Bruyne. I've played against um, Belgium. But I would say as well, probably the best performance of somebody I've played against was uh, James Rodriguez, Colombia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so he was really special, technically the way he was stroking the ball around, I've never really seen before, to be honest, that level of quality. Yeah, yeah, two very good players there. So yeah. Not a bad standard player, is it? Sam, thank you for your time today, mate. Really appreciate it. Nice to have you on. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Thursday.